I'm going to open up with, with this prayer. Actually, it's going to be two. I thought it was so awesome. Ever living, ever loving God, our heavenly father, we bless and praise thee that thou didst set the human race and families for its higher development and its greater influence. This morning, we bless thy holy name that we have been called into the family now before thee in prayer. May we gratefully recognize our duty and our responsibility to thee and to one another and to this community. Keep us this day from sin as we do the task of the day. Watch thou over us and guard us from danger. Teach us how to live unselfishly each for the other in all the little things of the home. May we as fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters fulfill our task to each and to all with the blessed example of our elder brother always before our minds. Prosper the work of each one of us in the labors and the business of all of our neighbors. Grant above all to our family the real and abiding prosperity of a rich and helpful faith in our Lord and Master to whom be praise and glory now and forever. Father, I thank you for the words of this prayer that was written by one of your servants that can penetrate our hearts, uplift our souls, awaken our eyes and our minds to a truth that we have never really known or understood. And I thank you, Father, for continually filling my mouth with the things you want me to say. So when I speak, Father, it would be pleasing and appealing to you. And you will be glorified. Everyone else will be edified. And I will be sanctified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, we are celebrating one major event, which is Father's Day. That's the most important event that we're going to be celebrating this day. Although I know you're all excited about this new national holiday, but it doesn't really phase me because I found out I was free when I got saved. Plus, Ebony was saying to me, and I thought, well, I never thought about it this way. I'm not impressed that they freed slaves a century ago, but now you just now awaken to the fact to celebrate it. And we're supposed to be all excited because this is a new national holiday. Well, it's a national holiday because Jesus lives. And because he lives, we can live. Amen. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter what the government has to say. We are free and free indeed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, okay. Um, happy Father's Day to all of uh, the men that are present and to all of those who are on Zoom. And let me just tell you, whether you birth a child or not, you are still a father. Amen. God created mankind, the male version of mankind, to father children, whether they belong to you by blood, natural blood, or not. Amen. And, and I, I'm just so excited and thrilled 
over uh, Tony Evans' new uh, series that he is just really trying to chime in and awaken the men to come up and step up and be spiritual fathers that God created you to be. And I, I was thinking how, is, you know, in my prayer time, how we live so many years without understanding why we're here and who we are. You know, we have lived like life, not to the fullness, because you can't live to the fullness until you understand Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. But we think we're living it in the fullness. And especially young people, they think that this is it. But the sad part about it is that if we don't know Jesus Christ and live in him, by the time you get to our age, you're going to be messed up. Now I know them like, what are you talking about? What, because decisions that we make and the lifestyle we choose to live will reflect who we become at a later age. Do you understand what I'm saying? Take a cue from us, all of us seniors who have arthritis, high blood pressure, diabetes, heart trouble. The list goes on and on and on and on. Had we had somebody to tell us something when we were young, we would have walked differently. We would have believed more in Jesus Christ. We would have thought differently and we would have spoken differently so that our end could be greater than the beginning. So don't be caught up in your youth and think, well, you got it. And, you know, they're who they are. No, no, no. If you live long enough, you're going to experience some of these same things unless you wake up and make right decisions. Amen. So um, the title of our message today is the family unit according to God. And the scriptures that actually uh, support this is in Ephesians 5, 22 to 31, and Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, which is where we find out from the Bible how we as humans are supposed to live life according to God's rural oral, not according to this world system. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through and read those real quickly just for your edification, but they're not where I'm staying at, okay? So let's go over to Ephesians 5. And uh, because see, this book is basic instructions, okay? This is not a holy book that you pick up on Sunday, maybe, or the holy book that you can go and refer to uh, in a 911. This is our lifeline. You, you know, as I was showering this morning, I was thinking, wow, how the water makes you feel so good and it uplifts you. And it even makes you think you look different after you come out of it. So I understand now why the Bible refers to the word as that we're to water with the word of God. It's the watering of the word of God. Because see, when we take in this word, it makes us feel so much better. We become lighter in weight because we get free and delivered. Uh, we even look better because the word transform our inner man and bring out something new that makes us reflect 
who the word is talking about, which is Jesus Christ. And so that word glorifies our system so that we can outwardly glorify our master. Thank you for you few little excited people. <laughs> okay, Ephesians 5, 22 uh, through uh, 31, it's given instructions for marriage. And it says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, not somebody else's, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Amen. Whoa. So Jesus Christ is the savior of the church. And the husband is the savior of his family, just like Jesus is of the church. Y'all get that? So the husband gets to wash his wife by the watering of the word through intercession. The good news is, husbands, whatever you don't like about your wife because it's ungodly, not because it's personal. <laughs> that's ungodly you get to take her to the altar in prayer you don't have to physically take her unless you know that's an agreement but you can take that to the lord in prayer and wash her with the word god will hear that prayer god will honor that prayer amen that's what i'm saying we learn how to live from this book and you can't beat the instructions that are that's in this book he says, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything, okay? Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So it becomes a sacrifice that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word so that he can set her apart. Wow that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. This is what, what the Lord does with us through the Holy Spirit as we live on this earth, okay? He is constantly working in us if you are open. Now, if you're not open and you have not willed yourself over to him, he's not gonna bother you because he's a gentleman. This is why we have to be open to our stuff and confess it and not pretend like it doesn't exist because he's busy trying to free us in, of any spots, wrinkle or any blemishes because he's preparing us for his return so that we'll be a holy people in his presence. Amen. Amen. He says, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. So, you know, if you love your body, you're not going to do anything to destroy your body. You don't even think about hurting your body. And that's how the men are to love their wives as if it's their own bodies. Now, the blessed thing is that some of you women probably think, oh, that's impossible. But the blessed thing is, is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, it is possible. So rather than thinking that it's never going to happen, you pray that your saved husbands follow the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit work in him so he can do what God said he's capable of doing because we are able to do all things through Christ who strengthens us. 
verse 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his body, of his bones, I'm sorry, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Amen. Praise the Lord for one flesh. Okay. Now, in, in Ephesians 6, I don't think I'm going to read that because I don't, I don't want our focus. I want our focus to stay in a certain area, but you need to read it because it, it talks about children obeying. No, well, okay. I think I'm going to read this one. <laughs> I won't read about the employees and employees. Okay. But children verse chapter six, verse one, children obey your parents in the Lord, in the Lord, not in your flesh, not by your soul, but in the Lord. That means you make sacrificial obedience because you don't know how to do it through the flesh. The Bible says, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. The first commandment of God in the 10 commandments. This is the first commandment that says there's a promise behind it. If you obey it, and that means you will have long life. Okay. <laughs> that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath. So <laughs> that means that you are training your children so that they will go in the right direction, but bring them up in the nurture or the training and admonition of the Lord, because when you bring them up in the way of the Lord, they will not depart from it. And if they do slightly temporarily, they will return. And that's a promise from the word. Okay, now the rest of that is servants and masters, which means employers and employees. So you need to read this on your own because there is a certain behavior that and a godly behavior that we're to have as employees when we go on someone else's job. And there are employers who are born again should act a certain way with their employees, which is different from the world system. Amen. So uh, I just kind of read that just to kind of uh, refresh and renew what God's word has to say in the Bible. Now, um, we need to understand what the family definition according to God. So I'm going to read it out of my biblical uh, dictionary. And it says family, a group of persons united by the ties of marriage, blood, or adoption, enabling interaction between members of the household and their respective social roles. God has ordained the, listen to this. This is out of my biblical dictionary, okay? God has ordained the family as the foundational institution of human society. This is how all the rest of the world has to fall in line with. And so we follow God's rules concerning the family unit. Amen. God has ordained the family as the foundational institution of human society. So don't let that pass you. Okay. Now we all know that Satan is a counterfeiter. Okay. So Satan will take what God has done and twist it and turn it around to change it. And so what he does in order to get you to flow without an error is he presents something to you that's good and then he twists it and turn it around that fits your flesh and your emotions and then you will follow it because it feels good or it may make a profit or whatever, 
But what we need to understand that family is an important unit to God and it is exemplified spiritually as well as naturally. However, we, the church, not the world, have stood by while the world system has redefined the family unit as well as the operation of the family unit. The roles of each member must be taken seriously and performed as God created them as described in the Bible. You certainly do not go outside of the faith to be counseled about family and marriage, such as worldly marriage counselors and therapists. Believers do not go out into the world to get counsel concerning your marriage, okay? Um, and let's go over to hold your place. No, you don't have to hold your place because I'm going to a lot of places, but let's go over to Mark 10. Mark 10 and, uh, and verses one through 12. And I, I wanna read what Jesus had to say concerning marriage and divorce. This is why you cannot go to worldly counseling when you need your need a counseling in your marriage, or even when you are engaged and you're getting pre premarital counseling, you do not go to worldly people. You go to Christian people for that kind of counseling. So, okay, Mark 10 verses one through 12. It says, and he arose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan and the people resort uh, unto him again, uh, they acted a, as a custom to what they would normally do. And that was going for, uh, for uh, prayer, deliverance, healing, and, and all of the above. And, and as he was wont, he taught them again. And as he customarily did, he taught them. Isn't that interesting? We will come to God for certain things that we need, like healing, deliverance, and all of that. But God always teaches us stuff because he don't want you to have a momentary bliss. He wants you to have a lifetime of victory. And when we learn more, then we're able to hold on to the blessing that we've been seeking for the miracle and the healing that we've been seeking. When we learn, then we're able to hold on to that in the name of Jesus. Father, I just thank you for your spirit to rest in this place so that we have ears to hear and a heart to receive what the spirit of the Lord is saying. And I counsel Satan's assignment off of your people, Father, in the name of Jesus. So I declare and decree sleep has no business here. We are awakened to hear what thus says the Lord in the name of Jesus. Um, amen. Verse two, and the Pharisees came to him and asked him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, in other words, to divorce his wife, tempting him. They were trying to test God, okay, to see what he was going to say. And he answered and said unto them, what did Moses command you? Or what has Moses permitted you? And they said, permitted. That's a different word than command, okay? And they said, Moses suffered us or permitted us to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away, to dismiss her. And Jesus answered and said unto them, for the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. For the hardness of your heart, it is not my law and I didn't change it. But Moses gave you a way out because he knew your heart, okay? But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. I know why it's so quiet in here. Oh, that's okay. I'm going to keep on talking. From the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. 
from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female, okay? For this cause, for this cause of being a male and a female, shall a man leave his father and mother and in blended marriages and children <laughs> and cleave to his wife, be joined to his wife, okay? And they twain, those two shall be one flesh, so then they are no more two, but one flesh. That's what God has ordained for matrimony. A man and a woman to come together as one, okay? What therefore God have joined together, let no man put asunder or to divide. So that's why you don't go for worldly counseling because they work out things that they feel is gonna best work for you. But God says, I will give you the power and the ability to work against the evil that is working in this relationship in order for you to stay one. Glory, 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 glory. Okay, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus. And he said unto them, whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committed adultery against her. And if a woman should put away her husband and be married to another, she committed adultery. Amen. Thank you, elder. Amen. This is the Bible. Okay. Let me tell you, God's grace and mercy works on behalf of our ignorance and our disobedience because disobedience is sin. So if we have been married and divorced and remarried, but you have repented and confessed. Now, if all of that happened before you got saved, praise the Lord is under the blood. But if it's happened since you've been saved, God will forgive all sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It is still under the blood and you go on and move forward, but don't do that again. You learn how to war and to fight in the relationship because that's what you're going to have to do. And so... Um, uh, let me just read out of my book. I want y'all to be informed, okay, where Jesus uh, was reaffirming what Moses said because of the hardness of, 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 uh, of their hearts. It says, Jesus reaffirmed the monogamous family and rebuked immor immorality and divorcing during his min ministry. He spoke about how it, the family should not ever be dissolved, that even the civil courts that even the civil courts could not break the family bond because what God put together, amen? Okay, so the responsibility to care for those in the family is seen at the cross where Jesus, though suffering, gave the apostle John the responsibility to care for his mother, for Jesus' mother, amen? God will always make a way of escape to fix things, amen? So, Neither should a married person receive counseling or instruction from a single person who isn't a faithful clergyman of Jesus Christ, for that is a road to destruction. First of all, I'm going to come out of the Bible and let's just do some just common sense stuff. Okay. You don't go to a Mexican restaurant looking for the best hamburger in the world. You don't go to a seafood restaurant and think you're going to get the best steak you've ever had. So as a single person, you don't go to unmarried people and find out how to be married. You go to the ones who are married and working that marriage out to help you understand 
what marriage is all about. Amen. Believers letting unbelievers or unbelieving believers have input in or advice about your marriage profits nothing good. Married women should not use single men as their sounding board, nor married men should not use single women or co-workers as your sounding board. Why? Go over to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, beginning with verse 18, 18 and 19 says, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth and whatsoever you shall loose on earth is loose in heaven. Okay, what he is saying is that whatever you speak, not just using the terminology, oh, I bind you, Satan. No, 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 no. You are binding Satan when you have sense enough to know not to put negative stuff out in the universe that causes him to work and operate automatically. When you don't put unfaith stuff, stuff that's not of faith out in the universe, now you are binding him. You are loosing him to have his way when you speak doubt, fret, anxiety, pride, arrogance, and all of that stuff. So it means that if two of us come together, let me read 19. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm excited. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. So when you go to unsaved, unbelieving people and seek counsel and they give it to you out of their broken souls, their lack of understanding and their jacked up emotional stuff and listen and go follow what they said, you are in agreement with that. Now you get that in the relationship. And now, and you want God to supernaturally come in and straighten some stuff out. You don't talk to people who are not poster children for what's righteous and what is good and expect things to work out. I don't care who they are. They could be Bishop Tutu. If they're not righteous, don't invite them into your relationship. We must recognize and accept the battle for the Bible tells us that Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but I will bring him out of them all. He says, you're going to have many afflictions, but don't worry. Don't fret. I'll bring you out. The afflictions are not coming from him. Amen. That's why he's able to bring us out. Okay. Let me, let me just share this. Love will not, cannot change life's probabilities of discord, fraction, disagreement, disappointment, anger, pain, hurt, disillusions, and the list goes on. You think that, that love can cover all of that and to prevent it from happening, as Tina Turner says? What's love got to do with it? <laughs> These things are going to happen. They're a part of life. But because of the fact that we are humans and there is no perfect human, okay? So we're going to have these issues. But a perfect, powerful person named Jesus Christ said, I will send you a comforter, a helper, and his name is the Holy Spirit. So when you uh, deal with these things and these things arise in the situation, he is saying, call on the comforter. Yes. Yes. 
He will not only comfort you, but he will help you. He will also tell you what to speak, to disarm some things, dismantle certain situations when you trust in him. He also said, I will never leave you. I will always be with you. He says, I have given you armor that will allow you to stand and stand therefore. We can and is expected to keep our families together and come into holiness to stay together and to dwell in unity. If we give our selfishness, our pride, our arrogance to the Lord on the altar of prayer and wait, wait, wait on the Lord to complete the work in both ourselves and our spouse. Stop looking for him to do the work in the spouse because you think you're all right. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. We all sin. So you look for your deliverance, your healing, your change just as hard as you look for it in the spouse. Amen. And when we act like that, and we're waiting on the Lord, we present a good example for the children to witness, which will be teaching them how to stand for righteousness rather than how they can feel entitled, learn how to give up easy, have no vision or hope of a godly future, and above all, no respect for God, authority, the family unit, matrimony, between a man and a woman who God created for the purpose of procreation, okay? We set that example of how we walk and handle ourselves before our children. You know, <clears throat> it really, really bothers me that we will speak things to our children and make demands out of them and tell them what we're expecting out of them while we have stepped right before them. And, and this saying came from hell, don't do what I do, do as I say. That statement came from the pit of hell because you certainly can't find it in the Bible where Jesus says, don't do what I, what I do. Don't do as I do, do what I say. Everything in life is predicated more on what we vision, amen? So you can't live any kind of way and then expect your children to be wonderful, glorious and not embarrass you. You know, I hear young people, young uh, parents in the stores and the children is acting ugly like what they do when they're at home. And they be talking, I'm going to kick your butt. I'm going to do this. You know, it's like, get off of it. Because if I was that little child, I'd be like, now, you know, that ain't how we roll. <laughs> you know, we don't act like this at home. So get over yourself. I'm acting just like I act when I'm at home. All out of order. So it starts at home. You bring the order at home, right? Our lives, and more especially a father's heritage, is passed down to the children, which can be good or bad, okay? We want to pass down a heritage that represents Jesus Christ. We read in Ephesians 6 how the husband is to the wife as Christ is to the church, and the church is to Christ. That's the heritage that we want to pass down, okay? Let's stop using prayer as a magic wand that we can wave any time to get our desires met. And that's what we do. We think, oh, I got the power, you know, and you can pray down heaven and all of this. Okay, let's use that wand on us. 
Because when we get right, when you get before the Father in humility, sincerity, yes, you can pray down heaven, but not with your arrogance, not with your holy boldness, not because you are loud, not because you're emanated. I'm not saying that you don't have to that stop being that. I'm, but what I want you to know that that's not moving heaven. What moves heaven is your faith and your humility because he knows our heart. So no matter what the outward expression is going on, he already know what you're thinking and how you feel inside of your heart. He already know that you're bound and what you really need to be doing is humbling yourself, falling down on your face and saying, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, in the need of prayer. Amen. <clears throat> Before I get into this prayer thing, I have written this note. I forgot. Okay. And he, I know the Lord want me to say it because it popped right back up in my face. <laughs> Over in the scripture, Matthew 18, when it's like to come into agreement, like as touching, like as touching means not holding hands, which is what denominational people do is to come together and hold hands and pray. And we think we're really doing something. Well, you may be holding the hand with somebody who don't even, is not even in agreement with the prayer that's being prayed. It means that our hearts are touchy because we are in agreement and on this one thing because we both are in agreement with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, okay? So I want to use this example in talking about being in agreement. When couples are having an argument and both people are berating and shouting and saying things and then one says, you need to stop. Oh, it's really quiet. <laughs> you know, we both shouting and carrying on and then one stop. You need to stop because they see that you are out of order, but they're just as loud and just as rude. No, what you need to say is we need to stop. We need to stop and listen. But you know why it operates like that? Because in the garden was the beginning of passing the buck and playing the blame game. We inherited a generational curse because that was part of the original sin. Okay, let me tell you, the reason we need to understand the root beginnings of stuff so that you would want to be free and then you know how to pray to be free and not just assume because how you act, you've been doing it for 50, 60, 70, 80, 30 years, that it's okay, okay? So we inherit that curse to automatically think that way. I'm shouting just as loud as you are. And I'm like, you need to stop. No, we need to say, we need to stop. The enemy is using us to break unity and harmony and peace in this relationship. We have a brain. Our hearts have been changed by the blood of Jesus, which means we can sit down and talk and communicate to come to a greater understanding, to move past our weakness. And let's pray. Though it is a sin that was passed down when we got saved, we can be free. We don't have to operate in dysfunctionalism any longer. We don't have to operate according to how we were uh, 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 to the course of this world and our past, past uh, being. 
Amen. We are new creations in Christ. And so because of that, the good news is that in Jesus, by his blood, we have the Holy Spirit who will quicken us and change us if we succumb to his way and to his will. Okay. So what we need to do, <clears throat> excuse me, because when you practice that kind of discord and anger, it happens automatically. And so you're in it before you realize that you're in it. And then pride pops up and it's like, I'm not going to let her win. I'm not going to let him win. And the battle keeps going on. Okay. So what we need to do before it even gets there is um, to ask God to reveal it to me. Don't let me help me to brighten my tongue. Don't let me, <clears throat> excuse me, go so far that I can't sense the spirit that's pulling on me to stop. Yeah. And then when I do, to be humble enough to say, I'm sorry for my part of this. I'm sorry for the part that I played in this, letting Satan run this conversation. Because what we need to understand is that we are coming to bring correction. We're not fighting to have rule. And that correction is because when one is out of order, the other one is supposed to bring the other party back in line and in order. Let me tell you, the Bible says that God gave man a helpmeet when he gave him a wife. That help me is to help keep things in line because that help me represents the Holy Spirit. But you have to accept it and not think that somebody is trying to destroy you. And we wives have to be able to present it in such a way that they don't feel like you're the enemy, but you are a helper. Amen. Now let's talk about the prayers prayer thing again. And I'm going to close with this. Prayer is communication with our heavenly father to come into the knowledge of his kingdom in order to war and stand in battle according to the rules of God's kingdom. Amen. <clears throat> I'm going to say that again, because we all have been so conditioned about prayer that I think we've been out of order therefore not having no power, no authority and accomplishing little, okay? Prayer is communication with our heavenly father to come into the knowledge of his kingdom in order to war, <clears throat> excuse me, and stand in battle according to the rules of God's kingdom. Let me tell y'all, let's go with Ephesians 6. <clears throat> we, we serve a God of order. And let me tell you, when you're doing warfare, there is a certain order. And when you don't understand it and you miss it, you don't get what you need and you don't grow. And if it wasn't an order, then in Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against one, principalities, two, against powers, three, the rulers of darkness of this world, for spiritual, spiritual wickedness in high places. There is a reason why they are in that order because principalities go from level to level, okay? They have to 
because believers go from glory to glory, faith to faith. That means as you are warring and living in this world, you graduate to a higher spiritual level with your heavenly father. And so them little demons that was used to mess with you don't have no power in your presence because of your growth in your faith. And so they elevate. Are y'all with me? <clears throat> and so we have to learn how to war according to the surroundings and the atmosphere that we're in. And so you don't do the same thing all the time and you don't say the same thing all the time. And this is why we have the Holy Spirit to, for us to call on and ask, how do you want me to pray? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to do? Order my steps in your word, Lord, because you don't do that same thing. You don't say that same thing and you don't jump up and want to get in the face of Satan when you don't even know where you are. Yes. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Peter, I know. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? That's what it says. That's why you're not seeing the change. We're not having no religious exercise or religious experience. We are supposed to be having a spiritual connection to make a difference and allow God's kingdom to be realized on earth as it is in heaven. And the only way that we can do that is to be in tune to what the kingdom is all about and fight accordingly. So we need to be awakened and come out, come out. We all have had different religious experiences and background in the past, okay? But ask God now to show you how to operate in his biblical truths, not your church experiences, but his biblical truths, because we're in war. We're not having no little society community group to come up here and feel good because the music sounds good and oh, hallelujah. No, we are coming here to get equipped to be prepared to go out and war and bring in the lost souls. And that power just will automatically operate. You don't have to get no goose pimples or your hair stand up on your head or none of that to know whether the Holy Spirit is with you. And whether or not you in line or in order, the Holy Spirit said he's going to be with you. Jesus says, I will never leave you. If you know the word, it don't matter what you feel. It all matters what's in your heart and that you're able to speak out what's been deposited in your heart. We don't walk by feelings. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And our faith is in the word of God, not in any somebody else's anointing because we all need deliverance. So you don't live under somebody else's anointing or depend on somebody else's anointing to break yokes and, to, and remove burdens. He says, believing believers. Okay, I'll repeat this again. Prayer is communication with our heavenly father to come to the knowledge of his kingdom in order to war and stand in battle according to the rules of God's kingdom then we can have what we say, which will be what God has said and not the things that comes from a broken soul, a distorted, distorted emotions or physical handicap that will distort our thoughts and actions. Prayer will awaken our heart and deliver our souls to be uplifted, which will allow us 
to see the victory. Jesus is our redeemer, not a handyman, fixer upper, which is what we use. God daddy, pimp daddy. He is our redeemer. And when we call on him, we're calling on him to redeem us. Instead of praying about what somebody else has done to you, pray about you. Pray about you. Because hurting people hurt people. Hurting people need a helper, need a savior. And if you're going to out hurt them, they're never going to see the Jesus that's supposed to be in you. Amen. That's why we don't fight. We war. War means you learn how to strategize. And then when you learn how to strategize, you can overcome and overpower and overtake. But if you're just a fighter, nothing changes because you have not accomplished anything. Prayer will awaken our hearts and deliver our souls to be uplifted, which will allow us to see victory. Jesus is our redeemer. He's our redeemer. He has already redeemed us. He redeemed us in order to redeem the lost. He redeemed us in order for us to redeem the lost. Amen. So don't sit around wait. Well, God's going to change him. Have you prayed about? Are you seeking God for that change in that person? Or are you just thinking that, well, one day, do you think that you got saved because one day you woke up and decided? Somebody prayed for you. And the spirit of God came and opened up your heart and eyes to see, to say yes to Jesus. You're not saved because on your good graces and merits. It's only by the grace of God that we're saved. Amen. The question is, do you want to be made whole? Do you really want to be healed? Do you want God's joy and peace? Or all you want are all the monetary fixes that occasionally occur and provide only fleeting happiness? God promises joy. Prayer consistent will reveal to you how foolish you are and how you have lived by the dictates of your flesh and through which you make decisions in your life that are now of great regrets and that has caused inner anger. See, some of you think you're angry because of what somebody else has done in your life. No, you're angry because you made some decisions that probably brought some of these someone else's in your life. And you can't get over that anger and you won't until you give it to God and ask God, that helped me to see myself, my inner self. But now, hallelujah, Jesus, you can pray for forgiveness and deliverance. Yes, you may have been hurt. Pray for deliverance and forgiveness that you can forgive those who have wounded you. Amen. Deliver you from the anger, the pain and the disappointments in life. Amen. I'm going to close with this prayer, which is going to be our deliverance prayer. Amen. And I titled this prayer, lead me not into temptation. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's why in the Lord's prayer, he tells us, lead us not into temptation. We think, don't let us go out there and get in an accident or somebody attacked us and all of that. No, no, no. That means the temptation within me, the enemy within me. Lead me not. Take me away 
from my broken soul that leads me in the path of destruction. That's what we're talking about. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, we come to confess, turn, change in the name of Jesus. So Lord, help us not to fall back to our old nature, to walk in the righteousness you dressed us with, to walk in truth. Help us to resist temptations of life, to feed our hearts and minds with your word, to be courageous enough to walk in your word, to recognize our evil ways, to surrender our evil ways to you, to rest in your holiness, to walk in your peace, to war in your spirit, to trust in your word and to bathe in your blood. Help us to exchange our pride for your humility, to surrender to your will and your way, to be willing to open our eyes to the truth, to exercise our hearts regularly with forgiveness, to speak truths and no longer deceive by weak flesh. Help us to walk in peace. Lord, deliver us from weakness that drives our thoughts and our actions to be offensive to you and destructive to ourselves. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. That prayer we need to pray more of and less than give me, give me, give me, give me. Because he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We don't have to ask for stuff. You need some bills paid. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means, it doesn't mean like, oh, you just pray and it falls down. It means when I begin to seek his face and his righteousness, he began to do a new thing in me that then allowed me to be a better steward over whatever income I have. Hallelujah, Jesus. That would teach me how to properly invest that the that my comeback is a hundredfold, not a bank percentage. Teach me first your righteousness. I become a better character person. So I'm able to now to bridle my tongue and set a guard around the door of my lips so that the words of my mouth, the meditation on my heart is more acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord. When I begin to seek him first and his righteousness, he began to do such a new thing in me that the desires I once had are gone. And now I desire hunger and thirst for righteousness and to be in your presence, Lord, because I know in your presence there's fullness of joy. Seek ye first his righteousness. Then I will know how to be a Christian, how to walk like a Christian, how to smell like a Christian, how to talk like a Christian, how to act like a Christian 24-7, not in the proper environment. Because when I learn how to do this, when I'm not under this 
tabernacle. When I come in this tabernacle and you come in this tabernacle after we've been fixed with God, the power and the anointing is so high that anything evil or wrong can't stand up under it. When it comes in, it comes in falling down saying, help me, I want to be saved. We wouldn't have to labor and work so hard if we just work on us. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then everything I said probably was Greek. But if there's something stirring in your heart to make you want to know and understand more, then just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you as a sinner in need of a Savior. I confess that I need you, Lord. I cannot do this on my own. So I'm asking you to give me Jesus Christ as my savior. Father, I will live my life serving you for the rest of my life. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. And now I'm thanking you, Father, for the gift of the Holy Spirit will enable me, equip me, and lead me to live a life of righteousness. Thank you for the gift of salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm just going to do a quick benediction and, and, and then you're free to go. Amen. Okay. Praise the Lord. And we don't get disturbed about children making noises and stuff. It doesn't interfere with the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I pray your traveling mercies as you leave this place and go forth. And when you leave, tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.